Moving toward maturity in Christ. That's next on Abounding Grace. God wants a mature church to rise up in these last days. And maturity can happen fast. It doesn't have to be forever. Like God can do a quick work in your life. He can give you quick victory. He can help you break habits quickly and show himself faithful with this word that's alive, speaking, helping, guiding us. Success or failure in the Christian life depends largely upon how much of the Bible and the word of God you get into your heart and life on a regular basis. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for So imagine being married for 50 years and the relationship never progressed beyond the infancy stage. That would be tragic. But sadly, all too common in our day. Well, in Hebrews 5, we'll see how that happens to people in their relationship with God. Too few are where they should be in relation to their spiritual age. Here now to help us grow up in Christ from Hebrews 5 is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Milk is good at an appropriate time. You know, milk is, it's, is pre-digested, so it's perfect for a baby. It's perfect for a baby. Baby has no teeth, can't chew on anything. The inwards are still being developed. So milk is an appropriate food substance for a baby up to a time. But there comes that time when you start to introduce solid food. And even as the baby's starting to grow teeth, then they can start to bite things and chew on things at appropriate times. And there comes a time in our lives when we as believers start to leave the milk, the simplicity of the gospel, the ABCs, the foundation of which we build our lives, and move on into maturity, and move on into understanding and grasping the word of God for others. Solid food. And solid food belongs to those that can move on from the simplicity of ABCs. And so Paul describes them as babes, as babies, still needing milk. Milk is for the believer is described as a beginner. This is for the beginning, the beginning of learning. But meat here describes the deeper understanding of Jesus, which he's going to talk about. We're going to learn about the high priesthood of Jesus Christ in heaven. You see, Jesus' ministry just wasn't on earth. He is still now, in this very moment, serving his church as high priest in heaven. It's a deeper understanding of the bigness and largeness of the Son of God's ministry in our lives. The meat of the word is learning and growing in our understanding of Jesus, his love, his grace, his mercy, deeper things. Now, let me caution you before we move on to the last point, because this phrase, deeper things, I want you to be careful for people coming to you and saying, hey, I want to teach you something deeper. You know, those guys at Calvary, they don't teach this. Those guys at First Baptist, they don't teach this. Down at the Methodist, they don't teach these things because it's deeper, and we found it, and we're the only ones that beware of anyone that would come to you like that. Because as one brother said, and I believe it to be true, if someone's teaching you a doctrine and they declare it to be something brand new, listen, if it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. 
I think it's great. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And so there'll be those that say, oh, you, won't, you wouldn't learn it at your church. They don't teach it right or whatever it might be. Listen, you do not need to lean on some man and some special teaching to be right with God. You have the Bible and the Holy Spirit, you go to town on it and let God teach you. Yes, he, adorned, he ordains pastors and teachers for sure for our equipping to mature us. But no pastor or teacher takes authority over the word, especially those that might want to take you under their wing and be your personal mentor and teach you things that no one else has ever taught you. Watch out for them. Watch out. This isn't something new either. You know, it's not just a 21st century thing. This happened in the first century. The whole book of Colossians was written to the church in the city of Colossae because there was a group that came in to the church known as the Gnostics. The word Gnostic comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And this was a group of people that came in with what they called secret knowledge, that nobody else knew about it, and you had to follow them, and you had to become one of them, and you had to forsake the church and forsa- in order to learn this. And so what if Paul hears about it and goes, you guys reject them. They are not sent from God. And so when we speak of deeper things, we're not just going to throw out the phrase because we can all go deeper in our study of God's word. But use it in such a way where there's some secret thing that's never been learned. Don't listen to that. Don't receive it. Reject it. Number four, another sign of spiritual immaturity here is the lack of desire to obey God. Obedience. We see that in verse 14. It says, solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Circle that phrase, full age, and right next to it, mature. That's what the word means. Solid food belongs to those who are mature. And he describes maturity as those who by reason of use. What are you using? Back in verse 13, the word of righteousness. So not only are we reading the Bible, but we're doing the Bible. If you have no desire to do the things you learn in the Bible, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. If you are not quick to obey, and that becomes a pattern of your life, I don't care how much Bible knowledge you have, how many scriptures you've memorized. Uh, you know, it's, I've met people, I've read the Bible frontward. And, yeah, but man, bro, you don't want to obey it. Yeah, but I know it, but you don't obey it. But I know it. And you know where that's going to end? It's going to end with like, well, you just don't know, pastor. You just don't know. No, I do know. It says spiritual maturity is this. Solid food belongs to those that are mature. And who are mature? Those that use the Bible. And when you do, look what you get. When you, by reason of use, you have your senses exercised to tell the difference between what's good and bad, good and evil. Isn't that what you want in life? I want more of that. I want to choose the good and avoid the evil. And so when I obey God's word, I learn more and more what's good and what's bad. I learned to follow what's good, and you learn to follow what's good. I learned to turn away from bad. You learn to turn away from bad. How? Reading the Bible and doing it. The real meat of the word is putting it into action. It's not more knowledge. That's just a word of the Lord for someone. You think the meat of the word is just, oh, I know so much more than others. No, no. The meat of the word is putting that knowledge into action. Why? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It edifies. And so it's not a knowledge thing. It's an action thing. As we grow in Jesus, we begin to live his life through us. This is known as obedience, surrender, abiding, 
living in him, drawing from his resources. As we apply the word of God, we grow in our discernment and we're able to recognize the difference between right and wrong, to discern it. It's a sign of maturity. When you see more and more good happening in your life and you avoid more and more evil. So, so let me speak to the personalities that are listening right now and even you guys listening in on the radio and online. Much of the Bible is pretty black and white. Have you noticed that? Much of the Bible is pretty black and white. So let me just ask, and I am going to ask this. How many of you would describe yourself as a black and white person? How many of you? Yeah, a little more than the last service. And then if you're not in black and white, you probably live in the gray area. How many of you describe yourself as a gray area person? So that's more me. I understand black and white, and I live that way, but I also see a lot of gray area in people's lives so that I want to train people how to discern right and wrong by obeying the word. That's how you get through the gray areas in life. So, so let me explain that, what that looks like. Here's a black and white issue. If you are here right now, and you are thinking and plotting, and you're thinking and plotting, you know, I wonder what God wants me to do, because I'm going to be heading over to Safeway, and I'm stealing a turkey for Thanksgiving. And I wonder if, God, if I, God's okay with that. If I open the Bible to you, I'm not going to be able to open up to one scripture anywhere in the Bible that says, you should not go to Safeway and steal a turkey. It's not in there. You can search and search and search. It's not in there. However, the subject of stealing, the Bible couldn't be more clear. And so I would take you to a place back in Exodus chapter 20. Thou shall not steal. So don't do it. It's black and white. It's black and white. But other things, the Bible leaves room for decisions to be made. For, for example, what movies should I watch? What music should I listen to? What clothes should I wear? You know, the Bible leaves room in those areas and leaves room for the work of His Spirit and our own conscience. But see, guys, you have to be very careful in the gray areas of life. Because I'll, I'll speak to that maturity part of your life. If you tend to make decisions away from God in your gray area freedoms that you have, that's not a sign of maturity. But if you make your decisions toward God, toward holiness, toward righteousness, yes, you have the choice, yes. But if you're always emphasizing your freedoms to excuse your behavior, that's not a mature stance before God. It's like, but, but you know, I have the freedom to do that. I know, but freedoms in Christ are always limited by love. True agape love. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us. I like to put it this way. So I raised my kids and this is how I've taught our church. This is a very important concept. Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Just because you can, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say it. It says it's okay. Okay, so, so okay, you've made a biblical point. But just because you can, doesn't mean you should. You and I, we have to be careful in making our decisions that it might help us in our relationship with Jesus Christ and help others. You know, we host a live call-in radio program here. I get to do it two days a week, and I get a lot of calls about a lot of things. And many times the calls relate to things in the gray area. But you know, in all the years I've hosted, in all the years I've had the privilege to do this one and Gino's show, I've never had anyone call like this. Hey, uh, welcome so-and-so from Aurora, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Well, Ed, I've got this dilemma. 
and I just don't know. I, I know the Bible says it's okay, but I'm just not sure if it's a good idea. So I'll tell you what it is, Ed. I started growing this plant in my backyard, and it's grown. I got a couple of them, and I just felt the burden. They seemed to be ripe, and I felt the burden to go out, pick the leaves, and rub them all over my body. And I've rubbed them all over my body, but uh, man, now I'm itching and I'm feeling uncomfortable and I'm not sure that that's okay with God. And so like, what am I supposed to do? Because the Bible said I could grow it. It says that God has given me every herb of the field to enjoy. <laughs> Nobody's ever called like that. I hope none of you, I hope I don't get an email after service. Ed, I've done, I've done poison ivy all over my body. That was the, what I grew in my backyard. Nobody ever does that. Nobody ever does that. But the same thinking, I get a lot of calls with the same thinking as it relates, should I smoke pot? Should I grow it in my backyard, smoke it, and just enjoy it and live a free, carefree, high life the rest of my life, the mile high high, you know? (laughs) It's not good for you. And it doesn't matter what the law of the land says. What is God telling you through his spirit? You know, think about it, because I've had even people, you know, smoking joints and calling the show. And, and I, I like to talk to them. I said, well, wait a minute. If there was an emergency in your family right now and you just smoked a couple joints, can you hop in the car and go help them? No. Well, hopefully they wouldn't. You know, if you've taken three or four drinks and, you know, you say you're not drunk, but maybe, the, maybe you'll blow in, in that, that machine and you are, like, like are, you, are you always in a position of readiness and sobriety to be used by God? The gray areas are very important in our lives. This isn't some legalistic trip of a man telling you how to live. I'm challenging you to consider the gray areas of your life of how you might honor and please God. So let me give you eight questions to ask. I've developed this in another Bible study, but let me, if you're in the gray area right now and you're in the place where just because you can, just because you can, and you want to learn how doesn't mean you should, here's eight questions to consider of whether you should do something or not in relationship to God. Number one, will this, about what you're about to do, will this help me honor God? If it doesn't help me honor God, I probably should dismiss it. Number two, will this sanctify me? That's a Bible word. It means to set apart. Well, what am I about to do? Set me apart to be more useful to God. Will it make me more useful? Number three, will this prepare me for every good work? Is what I'm about to do prepare me? Will will it help me? Number four, will it build me up spiritually or will it tear me down? Number five, can it bring you under its power? Is what you're about to do, are you submitting yourself? You know, Jesus said, if you present yourself a, a slave to sin, that's whose slave you are. So will it bring you under its power? If it does, you probably should dismiss it. Does it give you, number six, an uneasy conscience? So many bad decisions go against our conscience, our biblically uh, illuminated by the Holy Spirit conscience that we have. Number seven, and this is an important one. It could very well be number one, but this is an important one, is what you're about to do. Could it cause someone else to stumble? How much have you thought of others in what you're about to do. I personally take this very seriously in my life, in the role and position. I did as a new believer for my kids, but I take it very seriously as a pastor in my life. 
I think not only of you and all the struggles and all the things that you do, you, you look to me to be an example. I'm not a perfect example. I make enough mistakes on my own to reveal that I'm certainly not a perfect example. But when I have the ability to make decisions, I want to make them in such a way that will point you to the Lord. I want to live my life like Paul, to the best of my ability, that I could say to you, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Not a perfect man, but I do consider you when I'm making decisions. But not just you. I also consider your kids who are still developing. And whether you're in this church for one week or you've been here for many years, your kids look to the place of pastor as a place of authority, spiritual authority. Filled by an imperfect man, sure. But I don't want to stumble your kids and put into their minds that the things that I might choose to do, while they might be okay for me, they're not good for your kids. And now they're looking to pastor for some kind of decision, you know, some kind of example. And my example has been one where I don't even consider them. Because I see your kids every day. Uh, You know, every time we're in church, when I get a chance to go downstairs, I see you guys coming through. I get to see the kids in the school. I walk through their classes on Wednesday, high-five them when we're having a meeting. They're walking through stuff, seeing us through, like... Your kids matter, whether they're in the school, whether they're in the Sunday school. Listen, your life affects other people. And what you're about to do, can it stumble other people? Can it stumble people that are closest to you? Obviously, you know, we can't think of the whole wide world. But what about the people that are close relations to you, where you want to be a good example to them? Sure, just because you can doesn't mean it's a wise decision. So yeah, you can rub poison ivy all over your body. But who does that? Who does that? Because you weighed out all of the the considerations. I just don't want to feel that way. If we would only take the same care and concern with the things of the Lord, we'd make spiritual progress much faster. And we would find ourselves in a place. Like in your spiritual life, church, you have to make up your mind. You've got to make the decision to live as closely to Jesus Christ as you possibly can. Not the decision... I mean, if you're here today, many people live the opposite, and they live this way. How close can I get to sin without sinning? Like, what can I do without? How can I, how much can I get away with before? If that's your attitude, you're in a bad place. Because your freedoms will be used in such a way to destroy your life. Listen to what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. The Bible says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. And while much of the Bible is black and white, in the gray areas, here's the eighth question. How will this make me a more fruitful missionary in my community? I know we use the missionary to think of people overseas, but remember, the mission call of God is home, surrounding areas, and around the world. So we're all missionaries. We're all going to leave in a few minutes into this world as believers in Jesus Christ to affect our world for the gospel. And we have our hands full here in the Western culture and being a missionary to a culture that's abandoned God, turned their back upon him. It's almost like a prophetic gifting that God gives us to speak the truth in a hostile culture. 
but how will this affect your brother? How will this affect your sister? Will it help or harm them? So much heartache would be avoided if this was more of a mindset among us, thinking of others first. You'd make so many different decisions if you would esteem others above yourself and not to try to get so close to sin without sinning. So turn your hearts toward the word of God, church. If you will just read the Bible and pray every day, you'll see immediate growth. You'll see changes like you wouldn't believe. And a lot of times people will ask, how do I know the voice of God? How, how do I know the voice of God? I'm gonna give you a surefire way to hear the voice of God anytime you wanna hear it. Anytime, all day, every day. You ready? Take your Bible, open it, and read it out loud. And you will hear the voice of God because these are the very words of God translated into English for us. And he will speak to you using your own voice. And I know reading is hard for some people. I realize that sometimes it's dyslexia, maybe a learning, learning challenge that you have and it's hard to read or others of you just don't like reading. You know, you, I'm a reader, so I love reading, but other people are not readers. They don't love to read. And so there's challenges with reading. But listen, we live in such a technological age that you can download a free app on your phone, your iPad, and you can have the Bible read to you. I mean, it's so easy. You download it, click it, and press the little arrow, and it'll read to you as long as you have it on. And so the Word of God can be read to you. There's really no excuse for spiritual immaturity in our lives. And the fastest way to, to, to spiritual maturity, reading the Bible, praying, and obeying what you read. <laughs> Isn't that great? That should be very encouraging to you. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to learn every single word and become scholars, even if that's what God's call on your life is. That's great, but you don't have to. Just open the Bible, read it, do it. And then be thankful to God that he lives in you and empowers you to do it. God wants a mature church to rise up in these last days. And maturity can happen fast. It doesn't have to be forever. Like God can do a quick work in your life. He can give you quick victory. He can help you break habits quickly and show himself faithful with this word that's alive, speaking, helping, guiding us. Success or failure in the Christian life depends largely upon how much of the Bible and the word of God you get into your heart and life on a regular basis. You show me someone that's backsliding someone that's drifting, someone that is dull to hear, and I'll show you someone that's not growing spiritually because they're not in the word. And I know you hear that time and time again that you might become even dull to that admonition, but listen, if, take me up on my challenge. Just read 10 minutes a day for seven days, and on the authority of God's word, God will speak to you 10 minutes a day, and then that word will be in your heart, and he'll use it later in the day, and you'll just be built. Just start in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man. And just stop there. It's like, man, God wants to give blessings to his people. That's good to remember on a Monday morning when you're heading to work. It's probably not the most blessed place. <laughs> blessed is the man. And not just there. God's revealing his heart to you. I want to bless you, son. I want to bless you, daughter. I'm going to be with you. And then he begins to describe the person that's blessed is the person that's in the word, <laughs> that's rooted in the truth. And you just start going through the Psalms and man, the Lord will use them. So take the challenge, 10 minutes a day in the Word, and see what God will do in your life. 
Thank you for joining us today as we study through the Bible and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. Our friend in the ministry, Pastor Skip Heitzig, has a great book that we'd like to get into your hands, and it's our featured resource this month. It's called How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. Maybe you find it difficult to study the Word, aren't getting a lot out of it, or enjoying it for that matter. Well, in his friendly, relevant style, Pastor Skip provides wonderful, simple-to-use tools to help you enjoy Bible study. And we'll send it your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. And thank you for your support, as it allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. How has Abounding Grace blessed you? We want to hear. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.